Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, begin to be lovers. This month, just for our socios, those who join us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. There's a first-class big interview with Kev Kilban. What tipped Kevin over into being an automatic invite to be a guest in the big interview was his excellence as a broadcaster. Basically, whenever you listen to Kevin, either on television or where I mostly listen to him, which is a news talk off the ball, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to know more about the situation that he's assessing. He's worthwhile. In this big interview, I think you're going to laugh at his escapades on the golf course. His advocacy for his daughter's well-being inspires me, the importance of his international career, the fact that some of what we saw as a footballer and some of what we're hearing as a broadcaster was formed by the fact that he and his family did not always have the economic well-being to count on having food on the table or electricity or gas. And the remedies he took to solve that tell you a lot about this interesting, reliable, fun, intelligent fella who's making such a strong name for himself in football broadcasting. This, however, for all of you, is a section of that interview where he breaks down Roy Keane, the player, and reveals what he considers to be Keane's best moment in an Ireland shirt. We had, to, had the chance to go and work on things away in America. That was a thing that Mick did. Was there a little bit of structural? Oh, yeah. There was, just there playing was, the friendly? Yeah, there was a lot. I think Mick recognised he, he had us then for, would have been about two weeks, I think we went out there. We had a two-week block of training. Wow. And Mick got working on the organisation What was he trying side. to impose? Uh, I think he impressed upon us that we were certainly then, I think there was a lot of players that were still there from around about the Jack Charlton era. Mm-hmm. But I mentioned some of the names there before, Robbie, Ian Hart, you say, Stephen Carr, myself, we weren't all part of Jack Charlton's era. So Jack Charlton, synonymous with long ball, direct football. Mick was trying to get us playing in a brand of football. We had, again, if you got the likes of Stephen Carr and Ian Hart in your team, they were quality footballers. And, of course, Roy Keane in your side as well, Robbie Keane. We couldn't be lumping it up to... I mean, Niall had a great understanding with Robbie. Robbie used to love playing with Niall. Mm. But even though Niall had that you know, physical presence and he, early he was as good as any, anyone you'd likely to see. Niall's biggest strength was his, was his, his touch he, and, he was and, a and, his, and his ability on the ground. I, I would compare him to Crouchy because people just absolutely misjudge Crouchy who I'd yeah. turn the TV on to watch every single yeah. game he plays in because I think he's fabulously intelligent and skilled. Totally. And Niall also was, irrespective yeah. of aerial ability or height, was a footballer. Definitely. And... Mick then had recognised that we've got footballers. We had Mark Kinsley, we had Matty Hall in the midfield as well, lads who could play. And again, I think when you're playing alongside Roy, I think he certainly raised levels within the squad as well. I think he brought a little bit of belief to everybody, I think, or instilled belief in, in everybody. Nobody wanted to take a bad performance in yeah. Roy, never mind the manager. Yeah, yeah, it's fair to say, yeah, that would be true. That'd be very true. And you know that Roy would be on your case if you had a bad touch or made a bad pass or whatever it would be. So, yeah, there was, there was certainly an element of that as well. But... Roy used to speed up and slow down the game. He had a great way of knowing how to do that, how to influence games that 
I'd never played with a midfielder like that before. Um, that's why I'd still put him above all the, the, the Premier League, the, the so-called greats. I'd still put him above them all, even playing against him and playing with him, for how, how he could dictate games. And his ability probably goes unnoticed at times as well. But So you grow aware of this stop-stop-go thing that he can do in a yeah. game as you're playing with him. You haven't experienced that before and you didn't know it, I infer from what you've been saying. Yeah. Do you immediately understand why he's regulating the tempo of a match or how he's doing it? Uh, yeah, you, you totally understand why he's doing it, yes, you, you totally do. He's, he's influencing a game that, you know, that certainly that's got, that's got him trophies there at Man United, that he's played with some great players, and these, this is what the great players do. But with, that's not the detail of why you do it. When you regulate the tempo of a game, in his instance, with you playing, is it to give the lads a breather? Is it because you can see the other side are on the rise? Is it to lull them into a certain position in the pitch because if it goes slow and it's knocked about, you might draw them into an area? I, I want to know, because mm. you you said that you were appreciating yeah. seeing him doing stop, go, stop, I go, think, go, go. Yeah, if I'm saying early on in games, he had a he had a great way, Roy, of always passing forward. That was the first thing he always said. And, and I, I've been coached by Steve Bruce. He had it at Man United, pass forward. He used to say to everyone, pass forward. It was never... It was never a backwards or a sideways path through Roy's first touch was pass it, get it out of your feet and pass it forward. So he'd always try and get strikers into the game, always try and get them into the game quickly. So in the early stages of the game, the first 20, 25 minutes of the game, Roy's, it was always first touch pass forward with real pace and real intensity. So he'd quicken the game up so much that he was bypassing midfielders. So you mentioned the players like Van Bommels, the Seedorfs, the whoever it would be. Koku. They'd stand off him. They recognise his ability, wow. maybe half frightened of him as well, okay, yeah. but also mm-hmm. he'd bypass him with his passing ability. And that, in turn, then would get us on the front foot. Maybe myself could get into the game, Jason, whoever it would be, Robbie, as I said before, were in the game early on in the game. He, he'd get you into Not matches. just that the ball comes to your feet, but you know that if, if he's going to do that quick passing through a midfield opposition midfield, the Ducks that day, you've got to be alert. Yeah. You've got to be on your game. Definitely, yeah. So and you've I said got before, a different mindset. I think he, re- he recognised people's strength on the pitch and got, as I said before, he got got them into the game he, he by moving the ball quickly I can imagine him playing with someone like you know the, the Giggses or the, the, the Sharps before him the Kinchelskis these lads that would have been brilliant wingers in their own right but he would have got them into the game he would have recognised look these lads can't be stuck out wide these lads can't be passengers in game I've got to do my bit to get these lads into matches and that's what he did that's what he did, it's certainly in the early stages of the game. So whether you were playing Holland or whether we were playing Andorra or Estonia in that group, it wouldn't have mattered. He would have influenced games very quickly and that was why I think he had a big inf- he had a huge influence over those games against uh, Holland home and away and Portugal home and away, yeah. Because the creative players, for however good they look when they're doing things right, you would have a foot in both camps. Athlete, uh, work, or solid, clever, but also creative, dribble, step over... The creative player needs to feel that they're that they're worthwhile, that they're on the ball. Yeah. The more they're starved, some of them will, if not shrivel a little bit, you're likely to get less of a return. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you want to be in the game and you don't want to be having a touch every 10 or 15 minutes. At times, some of the games that we would have been coming up against, we would have been having to defend. You kind of come in and play solidly and do a job for the team. But you want to be expressing yourself. That's how I was brought up. That was, maybe was, was the strength in my game. And that's what, he used to enhance. He used to enhance everyone within a team just by getting them into the game early. The game in Dublin, 
they battered us. Portugal were brilliant. Figo was was very good. I, you know, Ian Hart would have been marking him with even a right winger, but he would have been reliant upon me to get back and help out as much as I can. So invariably, I'd have spent 80 minutes of that game trying to get back helping Harty out because he didn't want to get... What was your role in a situation like that against Figo? Is it closing up inside so that he can't come in off Harty? Or? Trying to come wrong side, essentially, yeah. So I think I would have always been a very good communicator on the pitch and how I would have got, whether I was, I was playing at fullback or whether I was playing in front of me. So you try and give Harty a little bit of guidance. Show him into me. I'm... You know, I'm coming on your right. I'm I'm coming from whatever it would be. If I'm in front of Harty, obviously he can see the, the angle that I'm trying to come yeah. at. But if he can't see me, and I'm going to be coming from his inside, just to try to give him that communication of to look, I've got your back. Show him, show him into me. I'm inside you here now. Show him into me. And so Harty then would obviously angle of approach, get his body around it, show him into me. And we we, we had a good understanding like that, uh, Harty and me. We did. Um, I used to love playing with him because simply because of his quality. He had the best quality that I'd ever seen in a fullback. Every ball he'd give you was perfect. You're he, talking about his quality with the ball. Yeah. Which not every fullback is asked yeah. to do. He was a very, very. He could have easily played old inside left. I think or if he was quicker in, in yeah. midfield. If, if Harty was quicker, if he had a little bit more pace. Chavi. Yeah. Chavi was never quick. Busquets isn't quick. Yeah, but as a fullback, though. I don't, I'm, I'm talking not, about he could have played midfield. Yeah, he probably could have done. He probably could have done too. Uh, well, yeah. at least I'm, unless my argument, because I th- technically I thought he was a fabulous yeah. could argue he's technically our best player. I would think, yeah, you probably argue him and him and Roy certainly would have been the two. That's great praise. because left foot was sensational, sensational. But his right foot was also brilliant as well. So he had two good feet. He was good in the air. He used to get the odd, you know, the odd goal as well. Certainly when he was attacking corners and things like that. Well, that's if he wasn't actually taking them. But also, I just mentioned for if say if, if he had his pace of his uncle, say if he had the pace of Gary, I think he had the one of the best around. I, I think he would, he would have gone on and played. He could have played for Real Madrid. He could have played for Barcelona. He was that good. He was just a, a, a brilliant, brilliant footballer, technically as good as you would like, as you like to say. As it but, was, he played at least a Champions League quarter. I think he semi, played a Champions I think he played League semi. semi. I think you're right, that Valencia yeah. game. I Valencia, right. yeah. Mm. Okay, so so the Figo that you encounter, um, who's going to be golden ball, who's going to be a Champions League winner at Real Madrid, mm. when I picture him, and you try to describe what he had to people and, and Ferguson always said that if he was to sell Beckham Figo's the only person that he could have yeah. imagined taking that right wing beat his distribution was very good and he scored he struck the ball very cleanly scored lots of goals his crossing was brilliant but you, you talked about you and Chris Waddle and if I picture Figo now there was a slight lean forward and hunch to his shoulders yeah. there, was there things in his game you recognised from your game as a kid? Uh, yeah a little bit of that I think the one thing that maybe stood out if you're, you're asking me little things about his game he had a John Robertson drag that's exactly what Figo had. He used to take it from his, le- his right to his left, so he'd be, he'd be thinking he'd be going on the outside, and he had an almighty drag where he'd drag it right across you, and he could do it on the, off his left and off his right foot. E- excellent at both ways. So you can see, you can imagine when he's one-on-one in, in, in a wide area, he didn't know how, which crop foot he was going to cross with because he, he was so agile, great movement, so graceful with his movement, he could drag it onto either foot. But he didn't have pace. He wasn't a pacey player that's going to run away from you. That's maybe you look at someone like Beckham where you'd think, yeah, you can maybe draw those sort of comparisons. He wasn't a player that was going to run away from you. So, But he didn't need a lot of space. Yes. To whip. Yes. He had the ability to just open his feet out ever so slightly, and he, but he'd cross it instantly like a Beckham where you think, how, how, how has he got that past me? That's what, that's what he had. Yeah. We, we were on Rui Costa, I thought. That's a beautiful Figo description. But no, it, it, well, it, it is. Rolls but, yeah, of but you start to see him as well. Again, he, I, I, I certainly don't think he, he, had a, he didn't have as, nowhere near as, uh, as big an influence as, as Rui Costa did that day. But you know when you watch someone and you see them, you're up against them and you're coming off, it's class. Mm. Class. 
that's what that's your, your thing. You know, you shake his hand after the game. And you're like, yeah, he's, he's, he's total class. But Rui Costa was just—he was the most elegant footballer I've ever seen. I've ever seen on the pitch. He, he used to glide past players. He could go off either foot. He could shoot. He could head. Brave. He could take a tackle. And I saw him showing because you know, obviously he's coming to Dublin. He's coming into our backyard, and we've got. Probably would have been Breeny, probably would have been perhaps would be Kenny Cunningham, Steve Staunton, maybe. And they're going to rough him up. Rui Costa's playing as a number 10, but he's going to also be coming up against, he's going to be pushing on to try to get up against the two centre halves as well. And he can take it. And yet he's still got the ability as well to, to get himself half a yard, to pick passes out, opening his shoulder at in ways where he knows there's a, if it's a Figo that's on his, on his right hand side or whoever coming up on the left hand side, he knows where they are before that ball's even coming to him. And you've seen that. You've, seen, you've watched enough of that type of play with the, the calibre of plays that you've seen over the years where it just happens like that. It's, it's a split second and, it, and sometimes they don't even need to take the touch. The pass is away and then he's away in, in space. You're obviously you're following the ball and then all of a sudden he's off your shoulder. He what had, just he, happened? He, he, he just had ways. And I just remember that day in Dublin. It was a lovely day and... We we were poor actually. We didn't we didn't get to the level that we got through the group. Roy got us a draw. Roy Roy was immense that day. Roy probably maybe Roy's best game. I would maybe Gosh. I'd maybe argue that day because it was almost as if he's a one man team for us that day. He got us a point, and it was a huge point for us in the end actually. But uh, Rui Costa stood out. I just I just just watching him and just being in awe. And again, he wasn't necessarily in my in my vicinity. He wasn't anywhere near me really. But he was he was the topic of conversation within our dressing room after the game. Wow, what a player he is. Thank you to Kev Cobarn for being such a great guest, plus a proper supporter of the big interview. But also huge thanks to our friends at News Talk for allowing us to use their luxurious Hollywood-style studios. Christy Callaghan, you drove us to this interview, and in your downtime, you were reading Kev Cobarn's autobiography. This is for you, you rugby fiend you. To hear the full Kevin Caban interview and get all of our content ad-free, it's time for you to join us to become what we call a socio. This month, socios will also get my Barca Chelsea mini documentary. And when you sign up now, you'll also unlock our archive of seven socio-only big interviews dating back to Raphael van der Vaart last August. For just £2.99 per month, you'll also know you're supporting this independent football podcast. More at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. We do need your help in order to keep doing this. And bloody hell, it's fun. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.